Hello and welcome to another episode of the Journal of Isakos podcast. My name is Dr. Andreas Voss and together with Dr. Manos Briliakis, we're more than happy to have Dr. Daniel Matthews from the Department of Orthopedic Surgery at the University of South Alabama, US with us today. In this episode, we'll talk about his recently published article titled Surgeon Placed Peripheral Nerve Block and Continuous Non-Opioid Allergia in Total Knee Orthoplasty is Accessible Intraoperatively cadraphic study in the Journal of Isakos. Hello, Dan, and thank you for your time to join our podcast. So before we start, maybe you can tell us a few words about your clinical and scientific background. Well, thank you very much, Andy. I appreciate the opportunity and greetings from uh, the United States and uh, LA, lower Alabama, down here in Fairhope, Alabama. I've been practicing orthopedic surgery for 33 years, uh, and I've been involved in bench and clinical research for most of my career. Um, I'm a fellow with the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons and have a subspecialty certification in sports medicine. In 1998, I began applying the concepts of rapid recovery and rehab from sports medicine arena into the total joint arena. Um, I currently have an appointment, as you mentioned, with the University of South Alabama Department of Orthopedics. And I have uh, four uh, senior residents who rotate with me uh, uh, during their fourth year. I'm currently the CEO and chief surgeon at the Alabama Orthopedic uh, Sports Medicine Practice. <clears throat> Absolutely great. So how did you come up with this study? You know, it's interesting, Andy. I think that the necessity often breeds innovation. Uh, just a real quick background, <clears throat> those of you may be aware of this, but then the United States for the past seven plus years has been involved in an opioid overuse epidemic. Uh, and there's also been a push uh, recently to move total joint arthroplasty into the outpatient arena. Uh, and it was really in this light uh, that the MACB, the surgeon placement of the adductor canal block catheter was born. Uh, I became uh, interested in 2016 in establishing an outpatient total joint program. And after much work, I found that the major hurdle for getting these patients home the same day was pain management. And in fact, pain management after total knee arthroplasty seemed to be the major reason uh, for the need for inpatient status. And so I wanted to come up with a multimodal pain management protocol that allowed this discharge home while addressing the opioid epidemic and reducing the use or at least eliminating opioids. So along with that concept, like removal of the tourniquet during surgery, cryotherapy after surgery, a combination of multiple non-narcotic pharmaceuticals, um, NSAIDs to block the inflammatory pathway, gabapentin to block the neurogenic pathway, um, and acetaminophen as a blocker of the central pain receptors, and various other non-narcotic medications uh, to assist with post-operative pain. However, uh, the most significant impact came from regional nerve blocks to provide extended relief. Uh, so, Andy, in my experience, uh, my anesthesia services were unable or unwilling to provide these blocks or outright refused uh, to assist me with providing extended blocks through endoline catheters. So, therefore, uh, I began to review the anatomy and realized that the standard parapatellar approach used for total knee arthroplasty provided easy access to the ductal canal with just gentle elevation of the VMO without any further dissection, maybe just a little blunt dissection with the surgeon's gloved finger. Uh, but you could actually place these blocks under direct visualization. So I began placing my own adductor canal blocks and catheter placement for extended adductor canal blocks in 2018. And then to date, I've, I've performed over 1,600 and actually over 1,640 of these blocks with high success, high patient satisfaction, no complications related to these surgeon place blocks. So then in 2019, I wanted to study the effectiveness of what I was doing with this MACB, the surgeon place block, and compared the block technique to those placed under ultrasound guidance. 
So that bred this study design. So we devised a cadaveric dye study to better evaluate both block techniques with regards to which structures were affected by each technique. Now, of course, we were most interested in which nerves were affected with this block technique. <clears throat> that sounds good and, and inter very interesting. So I know that from our anesthesiologists that they use an electric post guide to detect the nerve via ultrasound before surgery. So using a cadaveric model, this technique is not applicable. So you only orientate according to the anatomy, right? And how do you account for this? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, with the cadaveric dissections, what we found was that the location of the nerves that innervate the knee, and there's main, eight major nerves, but the two major nerves we really are interested in that carry most of the fibers of pain are the saphenous and the optic nerves. But in the cadaveric studies, we found that these, these locations are very reliable um, and that you can actually pretty consistently find them in a position that can be accessed through the knee. So by placing a catheter eight to 10 centimeters above the metaphyseal flare of the femur, just under the elevated VMO, which we consider the roof of the abductor canal, just medial to the shaft of the femur, which is the lateral wall of the canal, and just anterior to the fascia lying over the abductor longus, the floor, and we were able to reproducibly provide equal coverage, albeit maybe even better coverage of these nerves when compared to the ultrasound placement technique. So it's actually uh, somewhat easier. And of course, these landmarks are consistent without variability and are directly visualized through the standard peripatel approach uh, without any further dissection. So it's a very safe space and there are no vital structures at risk. So clinically, we find the success of placement under ultrasound guidance is highly dependent on the skill and the expertise of the anesthesiologist. And at least in America, it can be affected by body habits as we have some pretty large people here. So a larger person sometimes is more difficult uh, for visualization with the ultrasound and even with knee stem. So in skilled hands, this can be accomplished with high success by our anesthesiologists and, and our surgeons, some surgeons. However, with less experienced hands, the quality and reliability of these blocks it vary greatly in our experience. So as I mentioned before, the surgeon also must be capable and willing, uh, must, must have a capable and willing anesthesia staff uh, to provide these blocks. And as I traveled around the United States teaching my technique to surgeons, many surgeons expressed, um, like me, that they also had challenges with their anesthesia services, both skill levels and willingness to place these blocks in catheters for extended relief. So we demonstrated in the cadaveric study that while both placements were successful, actually 100% of the time in covering the saphenous nerve, in, in our study, only the MACB, the surgeon place block, covered the anterior and posterior branches of the obturator nerve in addition to the saphenous nerve. So this gave us some understanding to support while we were experiencing clinically that patients receiving the surgeon placement actually demonstrated better relief than those patients receiving the anesthesia blocked under ultrasound. So that supported our hypothesis was that more nerves equaled better pain relief. Uh, because the MACB was approaching the ductal canal from the distal end, we were more likely to affect the optic nerves as they came out of the canal more distally and posterior. So uh, another significant finding we, we found that uh, that was really never reported in the, in the anatomy literature was that in the adductor canal, there was a fenestrated membrane that protected the saphenous nerve and that the catheter was never in direct contact with the nerve, but was lying on top of the fenestrated membrane. And this gave us some added confidence with regards to protecting the nerve's integrity. Absolutely interesting. So um, what I'm <clears throat> also asking, so how much time does this procedure add to the surgery? Yeah, great question. And that's, I've had that before. So, you know, actually the surgeon placement eliminates uh, the additional time needed for an additional procedure 
uh, under ultrasound. And the uh, MACB is placed after the implant seating. So I go ahead and place the knee and then I use a cemented knee. So it's, I place this block during the cement curation. So you're washing out the knee and clean it up as you would to in standard fashion. And we place the block, we elevate uh, the VMO uh, with some uh, retractors, very blunt dissection, uh, and then slip the catheter. It, it actually adds no time to operation. It literally takes about 30 seconds to place. That's very interesting. And do you use a catheter or is it a single block you, you perform? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and I think that's the important thing that we really learned at the end of this was that um, I think it's important to note that while a single shot at ductal canal block provides excellent pain relief, and I think we've experienced that through the years, uh, but it lasts in the best of circumstances, maybe 24 hours. And I think there's some controversy on that, but with some of these uh, liposomal rapivacaine, uh, we may be getting out that far. But it's well known and documented in medical literature that the concept of rebound pain that often occurs as a block wears off. And while the single shot block can facilitate getting the patient out of the hospital as an outpatient procedure, uh, we found that this rebound pain can lead to at minimum phone calls to my nurse or, or to, from me requiring response, um, maybe increasing the use of opioids to control rebound pain. Uh, and, it, and at worst, rebound pain uh, can lead to rebound visits to the ED or the hospital for pain control. So as a single shot, um, with the subsequent placement of indwelling catheter for continuous block for four to five days, the patients can receive the acute pain relief response for surgery that facilitates not only the outpatient discharge, but also eliminates or reduces the need for phone calls and hospital visits for treatment of rebound pain. So I performed these blocks, as I mentioned earlier, and put the catheter in, in over 1,600 patients. I've had no readmissions or ED or hospital visits for that rebound pain. So I think the single block is fine if that's all you can get. But in my hands, in my experience, to really facilitate the discharge and then reduce the phone calls and the need for opioids, uh, the continuous catheter uh, is the game changer. And uh, after uh, the surgery, who is um, then taking care of the catheter? Like who is removing the catheter? Are they coming back to your practice or? Yeah, great question. And, and I think that was the big pushback from most anesthesiologists. They didn't want to manage this thing. Um, so here's the deal. I put it in. Uh, it, it does require some preoperative instruction for patients. So we sit down in the office. I actually show them the catheter. I show them the, uh, the pump that's going to put the rapivacaine uh, into the ductal canal. Um, they get to handle it. And then we have the patient remove it when the catheter, uh, the pain uh, uh, rapivacaine is uh, gone. So that's usually about four or five days. I set it at eight cc's an hour. Uh, the device I use can dial up to 14 cc's an hour, which is still below any kind of toxic threshold for a pivocaine. Um, and generally, I have two different ways I can do it. Some patients uh, don't want to touch it. They just want to leave it in the, in the bag. And when it's done, then they will pull it out or have a family member pull it out. Or I do have home health coming out to see the patients for six days postoperatively. So when they go home, uh, and with it's an average of three hours and 20 minutes, um, then the therapy will come out to the house the next day and they spend about an hour with them. So that's a skilled therapist that will come out. So either the therapist will pull it or the patient will pull it or the family will pull it. And every now and then we'll have somebody that's a little queasy and they'll come into the office and we'll pull it. But it's a very small catheter. It's not painful. Uh, I think the big key is just to tell patients that there may be a little backflow coming out. So put a little Band-Aid on there uh, and then you'll alleviate that phone call. So literally, uh, I'm in a solo practice now. I take all the phone calls and manage all my patients through the study. I've been following them up with phone calls, 
to check and see how things are going to learn the process. And I have very few, if any, phone calls. Uh, we did uh, eight this week. Uh, I've had no phone calls this week on any of the catheters. We just we just don't get phone calls. So it's a, it's a low maintenance. That sounds very good. So did your findings change your clinical practice in any way? Oh, certainly. As you know, my goal at the beginning of this was to uh, to lead to outpatient joint arthroplasty, and uh, I've been doing, uh, gosh, as I said, surgery for 33 years, and uh, in the past uh, six years now, uh, it's totally changed. I, I don't have patients in the hospital, um, and uh, it's been uh, really for patient satisfaction. It's been amazing. Uh, people come to me. I don't advertise or anything. I mean, I, I teach and and uh, do things like this, but. Uh, Uh, patients talk and they come to me because of uh, what they've heard from other patients there's pain relief so you know i think overall as a summary uh, if you have a dedicated anesthesia provider who is highly skilled and motivated to provide regional blocks and, and willing to place catheters for extended blocks then i'd continue with that program you maybe don't need the mac b but but if you're like me and so many surgeons in the united states who don't have that situation um, then you can have confidence that as a surgeon you can safely reproducibly, effectively, and efficiently place abductor canal blocks and catheters to provide your patients with excellent acute and extended pain relief for total arthroplasty and really other procedures around the knee. I've developed since then, I've developed now the arthroscopic technique for doing this for ACLs and those kind of things. So that's a, another podcast, but this procedure adds uh, no significant time to the operation. It facilitates the surgeon successfully performing these surgeries and outpatient procedures. So I will add that uh, while the surgeon placement block is a game changer, Uh, for me, it's most enjoyed, uh, most of its success when accompanied uh, by a comprehensive multimodal pain management protocol that limits uh, or at least uh, uh, eliminates opioid analgesics. After that answer, I have nothing to add. So <laughs> well, thank, you. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for your time uh, in joining our podcast today. Um, And hopefully we'll have you back uh, for the next podcast with your next publication in the Journal of Visicos. Oh, I look forward to that. And thank you very much. You guys have a blessed day. This was Associate Professor Dr. Andreas Voss from the University Hospital of Regensburg in Germany on behalf of the Journal of Visicos. We hope to have you back for our next episode. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the society or the journal.